Good morning. So glad that you chose to be a part of this worship experience with us. We'll set this down for a moment. If you have your Bible, you can turn to Ruth chapter 3. Some of you may be pleased to know that I'm not going to have an extended reading today. I'm going to hope that you have done your, your reading about on chapter 3 before. If not, you may want to go and do that a little bit later. We've been involved over the last couple of weeks in a series looking at the Old Testament book of Ruth. Now, we know from our extensive study over the last couple of weeks, and those that weren't here, I know you watched online, those who are watching online have learned about Ruth, that, that the primary characters in the book of Ruth are Naomi, Ruth, and a gentleman named Boaz. And so we find in this story um, the experience that they have as they come together. Um, you remember that Naomi um, was moved, moved away to Moab where she experienced tremendous pain and loss, loss of a husband, loss of children, loss of everything except for a couple of daughters-in-law. And we find in chapter 1 that they make their way back to Jerusalem or to, to Judah, Bethlehem specifically. And we, we saw that, that, that as they make that trip back, that there develops this tremendous bond between Naomi, the mother-in-law, and Ruth. Last week, we were introduced in chapter 2 to Boaz. Boaz is the kinsman redeemer, the Bible tells us, which we're going to talk more about this idea of redeeming and redemption, which is today's thought. But they um, make a connection in chapter 2, and so we see that there's some interest between Ruth and Boaz, and so this, this leads us to where we find ourselves today at chapter 3. Now, I'm not going to read all of the chapter. I'm going to summarize for you. But basically what happens in chapter 3 is after the few months of harvest and the acquaintance and getting to know each other between Ruth and Boaz, we, we start the chapter with this phrase, one day Naomi says to Ruth, my daughter, it's time for me to find a permanent home for you. And so we now begin this little snapshot in chapter 3 of Ruth getting to know Boaz and, and this process of redemption. Now, to understand this idea of redemption first, in context, this idea of a family redeemer. According to the Hebrews in the Old Testament, if you go back to Leviticus and you go to Deuteronomy, basically the idea of the redeemer, a family redeemer or a kinsman redeemer, was that if, if, a, if a man was killed or something happened and he was sold into slavery, something bad happened, so that his name would not be written out of the history books because they cared very much about a person's name and their lineage and their heritage, okay, is the law of God set up a plan where someone, a close relative, this kinsman redeemer could buy their estate either out of slavery or could buy their estate from, from someone else who had maybe taken it and then as a result of that, part of the process, would they would, would take over their estate. They would actually then marry their wife or wives so that they could have a child. And the first child would then become the quote-unquote child of the original brother so that they could continue on that line. All right, This is the process of redemption in that specific um, context. And so this, this idea of redemption is found within the law, and it's it's not unlike a lot of things that we have. I mean, we have literally 
very practical things that are related to redemption, and I'm going to talk about those in a moment. But so that is the context of this idea of the redemption of Ruth and Naomi and that particular family name. But in the story in chapter 3, basically what happens, Naomi says, Ruth, it's now time to make the move. Let's, we need to go forward. And so she basically tells her in a couple of places, you know, hey, get take a bath, put your finest clothes and your perfume on, and this is what I want you to do. And so in according to their customs, she goes and she kind of, um, begins this connection there with Boaz. It's very proper. It fits into their culture and how it works out. And so from there, she goes in after the thresh on the threshing floor, which is part of their process of the harvest and different things like that. And so she she does some things. She puts a covering over his feet and says some symbolic words. And basically, from that experience, Boaz is taken aback. He already has interest in her. He's very pleased that she has taken interest in him. And as a result of this, he says um, that he's going to make sure that she is taken care of and that she is going to be redeemed. There's a little caveat here. We find that he is not the closest relative, so he has to then go and make a, go through the process of who is the closest relative so that the process can happen and that she can be redeemed. And so that's this idea of the redemption of, of Ruth and Naomi that we're going to be looking at. And as I said last week, there are many things that we could look at in this particular story. Dozens of sermons that could be taken from this passage, from this narrative. And so what I'm going to talk about today is not exhaustive, and it's certainly not the only thing that we see here. But I want us to look maybe in a different way than what we have thought about some things before, and that's this idea of redemption. And I guess the title of the message, if you're looking in the bulletin, would be maybe our role in the process of redemption. Now, before we jump into that, let's think about what it means to redeem, because this is a a biblical word, but it's also a word that's used in a lot of different places. If you go to Webster's Dictionary Online and you see what it means to redeem something, click the next slide for me there, Brendan. It's, uh, there's a lot of things here, and I want you just to get, I, get, I put a bunch of them here so that you could really understand the depth of meaning to a word like redeem, okay? Before we jump into this, look what it says there, to buy back something, to get back or to win back. Some of you may have ever been to Chuck E. Cheese as a child, all right? And on, when you go to Chuck E. Cheese or if you're really old like me, they had showbiz pizza. Some of you may remember that. But, but whenever you play those games, kids, what do you get that comes out if you're really good at the skee-ball or doing the What do you get? You get tickets, right? And the, on the tickets, it says redeem. And so what does that mean? It means you take it back to the counter, and when you go over to the counter, you know, you spend $100 worth of coins playing games to get a $2, uh, you know what I'm saying, plastic toy. All right, you redeemed it. You, you got it back. You won it back, okay? You trade it in. You, now look some other definitions, to free from what distresses or harms, to free from captivity by payment of ransom, to help overcome something detrimental, to release from blame or debt, to free from the consequences of sin, to change for the better, to free from a lien by payment. Now, I know a lot of you in here have property and you deal in real estate and we've had some of us had dealings together. And you, you know the process if you own a home or if you own property, every year you get a notice from the Rapids Parish Tax Assessor, don't you? And whenever you get those notices, after your jaw hits the floor and you're like, man, 
the price of the price of admission on property. All right, but I own this property, so I got to pay my taxes on it. Well, if you are a procrastinator, or you don't necessarily handle everything the way you're supposed to, like some people in your might, you might forget to pay one of your tax your taxes. And so what can happen is if you don't pay your taxes at the, I think it's maybe March or April or at some point, what they do is they take your taxes and they put them in a tax sale. And guess what happens? Somebody else gets to purchase the rights to your taxes and they pay the taxes for you. And it creates something called a tax lien. And after Three years, if you don't go and redeem your taxes, guess what happens? The person who paid the taxes gets the property. But if you catch it or you have a realtor or a, or a person who's your friend who knows and says, hey, man, you better go look at this. You've forgotten. Not that I would know anything about this, right? But if you, if you had somebody who, who uh, so I was told this story that says, hey, look, you need to go and pay your taxes because somebody else paid your taxes, well, guess what? Then you go down to the courthouse and you, you redeem the taxes so that now you can continue to own this property. And this is a, the concept of redeem. To make worthwhile, to exchange for something of value. So when we see the word redeem, which is the root of redemption, it's, it's a very rich, complex term, and it's used quite often in the Bible. And if you think about all those definitions, a lot of that is what God has done for us through His Son, Jesus Christ. And so the ultimate act of redemption, the pinnacle, if you will, is God's plan to redeem humanity from its sin. And, and that's happening in a lot of different ways. But, but beyond that, this is happening for all of us in practical ways in our lives. Some of the verses that talk about how God, and I'm going to move through these quickly, is, is our Redeemer. Deuteronomy 7, 8, it says, The Lord brought you out by His mighty hand and redeemed you from the house of slavery. Deuteronomy 24, 18, Remember that you were a slave in Egypt and that the Lord your God redeemed you from there. Nehemiah 1.10, they are your servants and your people whom you redeemed by your great power and by your strong hand. In Psalm 77, the psalmist writes, you have by your power redeemed your people. Psalm 78.35, and they remembered that God was their rock and the most high God, their redeemer. Isaiah 43.1, do not fear for I have redeemed you, have called you by my name, you are mine. And you'll notice that many of the songs that we sing will incorporate some of these texts because it's important for us to remember that God is our Redeemer. And so when we talk about redemption, our baseline is that God is the ultimate Redeemer. And His plan for redemption comes to humanity through the cross of Calvary, and what Jesus Christ has done for us, okay? This is a given, all right? So what I'm going to talk about next really is below that, but I like for us to look at what our role is. You see, what we do does not change what God has done, all right? God is really the foundation of everything. So don't, don't get lost and distracted when you start talking about what you have to do in a process 
it doesn't mean that God has somehow done less or that it's not all based on him. See, some people get so religious and try to over-spiritualize things so much that when you try to talk about what they should do and what their role is, they somehow think that minimizes what God's role is. That's not the case. It's not what I'm trying to say at all. All you have any control over is what? Your role. God has every role, and he's taken it in his sovereignty. So when we look at a phrase like, my role in the redemption process, that does not mean that anything could happen outside of God's role, okay? But yet you and I have a part to play. And we see some very interesting things in the story of Ruth and Boaz that I believe help us understand what our role is in the redemption process. The redemption process of our salvation, authored and totally founded in God, but we do have a role. But then inside of our daily lives, our interactions, we're to be redeemers of others. We're to be a part of redeeming things back to God. And so, so there's some words, there's three words really that I want us to look at this morning that I believe will help us. The first one is just the word instruction. All right. In the story, if you go back and read chapter three, I want you to look at a couple of things. In verse three, Naomi gives Ruth some instructions. And she says, now do as I tell you. And then Ruth responds. She says, he talks about, to, to, says she listens, all right, to, to Naomi. And then Naomi tells Ruth, when you go see Boaz, he's going to tell you what to do. I will do everything you say, Ruth replied. So she went down to the threshing floor that night, and she followed the instructions of her mother-in-law. Now, in the story, Ruth follows the instructions and takes the instructions of Naomi, and then ultimately of Boaz as well. See, instructions are very important. Instructions are how things happen properly. You see, to understand the redemptive process, we have to do what? It's not up here, so I printed it, but it's here. You got to follow the instructions. You got to listen. The instructions are the Word of God, whether it's on your phone, whether it's in the Bible, whether it's printed on a page, whether it's on a screen. You see, these are the instructions. And so, to understand what needs to take place, you got to first off listen to the instructions. You got to be really willing to listen. Now, instructions imply that there's somebody who knows more than you do. You see, some people aren't willing to listen to instructions because they know it all. They understand everything. They don't need to listen to anybody else's instructions. And men, we're guilty of that, right? When we get something, we can find it on our own. We can make it on our own. We can take care of it. But really, because what? We, don't, we just want to do it on our own. Well, guess what? A huge part of the redemptive process is being willing to listen to the instructions of the Scriptures and of the people that God has placed in our life to help us get to where we need to go. See, God used Naomi in Ruth's life. What if Ruth would have said, hey, I, don't worry, Naomi, I got this. I'm going to take care of this and do it my way. She's a Moabite. She doesn't know all the customs and all the specific things that need to happen for this family redemption. What if she wouldn't have been willing to listen? Like so many of us who aren't willing to listen, we want to do it on our own. But here's, here's the next part of instructions that I want to talk about, all right, is not only do you have to be willing to listen, you got to follow through and do the instructions. 
See, some of us listen, right, because we were taught, well, we listen, you know, we're polite or whatever, but my God, we're going to do it our own way. We're not going to follow instructions, and that's, that's where we go off track many times. What, is, what does it say? She says, I'm going to follow the instructions of my mother-in-law. In your life, are you struggling to find redemption, maybe the redemption of relationships? Things in your life, maybe even your connection to God, because you're not willing to listen to what God wants you to do. And then maybe you know it, but you're just not willing to do it. Isn't that where most of us live? We know what to do. We're just not willing to do it. And this is what causes the separation, not only of human relationships, but the separation between us and God is we, we get instruction given to us in the Word, given to us through people in our lives, wise counsel, people that we trust. And what do we do? We just instead do what we want to do. And we come up with a thousand justifications for it, but that's what we do. We want to do it our own way. And ultimately, this is a path that has oftentimes, if not all times, led to more pain, more destruction, and certainly not the process or the pathway for redemption. And that's just one word. And that applies to all of us. There's every, my, my young people in here, my boys and girls, you know, to, to have a right relationship with your parents, for things to be made right, for everything to go well, all those definitions of redemption. You got to listen to the instructions, whether it's your teacher, whether it's your parents, your grandparents, your caregiver, and you got to follow instructions. See, boys and girls, when your parents tell you, hey, listen, Follow instructions. It's not because they're bad or they're mean or whatever. No, they're, they're trying to be the parent that God wants them to be. And they're supposed to be doing that in their own life as well. You want to know what you can do in the process of redemption? Not only between God's redemption of you, but your part of redemption everywhere else is listen for the right instructions and follow them when they come to you. The second word that we see here in the story is the word initiative. I like this word, initiative. And you see here in this story some two people who are not at the top of the power structure take initiative. I like initiative. Look right there. The whole chapter starts off. It says, one day Naomi says to Ruth, my daughter, now it's time tonight. Now, why, why did this one particular day matter? They had been there for months. They'd been there through the harvest. They had traveled a long ways there. Something about whatever was going on, Naomi knew that now was the time for action, okay? And that is very important. Timing is important. This is something that you need to think about when it comes to this idea of redemption and being redeemed, is taking initiative and recognize the importance of time. You know, the Bible says that today is the day of salvation, Seek the Lord while he may be found. You see, you have to recognize the importance of timing. If you have broken relationships in your life, whether those relationships are the brokenness between you and God, you and other people, you and something that's going on in your life, timing is critical. It's very, very important. You know, I often talk to people whenever they're having troubles. And many times people will seek out a minister or a person of the clergy, maybe whenever they are high on drugs, or maybe they're drunk on alcohol, or they're in the throes of something. And I oftentimes tell people, I will encourage them and give them advice, but when you're high, 
or you're drunk or you're not thinking right, that's not the time to make a life commitment. It might be the start of a process, but you may not even have all of your faculties. And so I always say, listen, we're going to talk about this now. I'm going to pray with you now, but we're going to reschedule so that whenever this is over, this little moment in time, you know, we're going to have a real conversation when the timing is right. Look, the right thing at the wrong time produces the wrong result. Timing is important. You know, you, and, you know that in your relationship with your wife or your husband or your kids. You know, you don't seek to bring about redemption to a relationship if the timing is completely off. You know, if you and the kids are having a problem, there's a better time and a worse time to address some of these things and make things right. Timing is important. Knowing the right time. Naomi knew the right time. And when the time came, she took the opportunity. And this is important too. That's what initiative is, is knowing the right time and then taking the opportunity. I actually like the word seize the opportunity. Take the opportunity when it presents itself. You see, all the prayers in the world, all of the hope in the world will be empty if you don't take the right action when it's time. If you want to make things right in a relationship with another person, you can want that to your heart's desire. But if you don't take the opportunity when it comes to do what is necessary, guess what? Everything will continue the way it has. If you want to make things right, if you want to redeem a relationship with your kids, with a coworker, with anybody, you know what? You, you, you want to recognize when the time is there, but then you have to act upon it when the time is right. Sometimes those are hard conversations. Sometimes those are hard things for you to do. Sometimes you got to swallow pride. Taking the opportunity is risky, but you have to do it if you want to do your part of the redemptive process. And it's the same thing with God, right? If any of you ever have made a commitment to follow Christ in your first moment, I remember as, as a 12-year-old whenever I decided to follow Christ and I wanted to be baptized. I can remember See, it was really, it was especially difficult for me because I had gotten baptized when I was a young, young child, five years old, and I didn't know what it meant. I just did it, but I don't even know why I did it. It didn't mean anything to me. It wasn't, there wasn't anything negative about it, but it wasn't something that I had chosen of my free will to do. And so when I was 12 years old, I remember feeling like I needed to make this commitment that was of my own choosing, not because somebody else talked me into it and I wanted to get baptized. But I'd already done that, and so I had this fear. I was like, man, what are people going to think about me? I mean, that really wasn't, you know. And so I, I remember sitting there, and I was just, something caught me. to. I needed to make this commitment. And I'm not saying that that's the way it is for everybody. That's the way it was for me. And, and it was risky to take the opportunity at the time. It wasn't easy because it's never easy to say in a moment, I'm a sinner. I need God. Now, it's easier than you think because when you're at a church, everybody there is happy for you to have done that. But when you're sitting there waiting to make the decision, waiting to make the telephone call to call your pastor or to call a small group leader or to make a decision, the, the weight and pressure of the world can come down upon you. And you're like, is this, should I do this? Or, you know, it's, it's, it takes initiative. I remember whenever Derek got baptized, we talked about that quite a bit. You know what I'm saying? is being ready to take the initiative. In your life, are you taking the initiative 
to bring about redemption with other people? Are you taking the initiative to put yourself in the right places at the right time for God to redeem certain parts of your life? You see, redemption, it does happen upon our salvation, and this is the ultimate act of redemption, okay? I'm not minimizing that because that is the, the, the crescendo of it all. But the truth is, once we become a believer in Jesus, we're still battling against all these struggles, all these sins, all these things that are going on in our life, and God's trying to redeem all of these things from us. He's trying to help us think better, to, to act better, to have the right feelings, to treat other people better. I mean, are we taking the initiative to meet God at a place where He can help us re become more redeemed? Or have many of us just kind of, we got our spot in the chair, we're good to go. I'm, I'm kind of good right here. That's where most of us get. We find a place where we're like, I'm good. You know, I can make it to church a couple times a month, maybe all the time. I'll read my Bible. But, or do we continue to take initiative to keep becoming more of who he wants us to be? The final word that we can look at today, I just say impatience because we see that right here in the story. And when it comes to impatience, I know I'm an expert. I'm not an expert on a lot of things. But I'm an expert on impatience, unfortunately, because I want to make it happen. I want to go forward. Sometimes I'm thinking doing something, even if it's wrong, is better than doing nothing. And that's not always the case. And we see that right here in the story is impatience. And the first thing is just don't get impatient. Look right here in this process. Now, leading up to this family redemption, okay, which is the whole point of the story, leading up to this, they've hiked from one country to another. They've spent an entire um, harvest, spring and summer harvest, working, doing all of that, okay? So they've had a lot of patience up until this point. But even after making the move, feeling like the timing was right and taking the initiative, like Ruth took the initiative in that moment to talk to Boaz, to take a little bit of risk, look what happens. While it's true that I am one of your family redeemers, there's another man who is more closely related to you than I am. Stay here tonight, and in the morning, I will talk to him. I'm venturing to say that this is not the answer Ruth wanted to hear. I mean, Ruth likes Boaz. There's the connection. Ruth wants Boaz because, understand, family redemption carries with it the continuing on of a name, the continuing on of property, your financial well-being, and your security, but it also means you got to marry him. So she doesn't even know this cat that he's talking about probably. So, I mean, there's a lot of uncertainty here. All right, And it requires tremendous patience to wait on the process to develop. Naomi, after hearing about what Boaz is going to do, says to her, just be patient, my daughter, until we hear what happens. The man won't rest until he has settled things today. You know, we need to hear that voice, don't we? Just be patient until we hear what happens. This idea of impatience, the first thing is just don't, don't get impatient. Just don't. That's hard. I know. Don't get impatient. How do you do that? I think you got to be willing to listen to the Scriptures and the people in your life who tell you, hey, great is what? Thy faithfulness. Those old songs we sing that remind us morning by morning, day by day, and we trust God. And so we can find patience and strength in him. But at the end of the day, you got to take control. You can't let yourself get impatient. 
Now, you may not be able to control the feelings, but you can't control the action. See, that's what a lot of people misunderstand. You can't always control your feelings, but you can control your actions. And what I've found is if you control your actions, at some point, your feelings will start coming along. The problem is people get ruled by their feelings. And look, you sometimes can't control a feeling of impatience, a feeling of anxiety and, stru- and stru- what's going to happen. This is part of the human experience. But guess what? You don't have to act upon those feelings. And whenever you start acting patiently, maybe it starts out you're worried about a result. You might be frustrated. But instead of calling, bothering, badgering, doing all the things that you act upon in patience, you control yourself. And guess what? Over time, your feelings begin to succumb to you being in control of this, your thoughts. That's why the Bible says what? Take control of your mind because your mind is what controls your actions. Your feelings will lead you astray. Don't get impatient. The second thing is let things develop like they need to. You know, oftentimes you won't do anything but mess up the redemptive process if you try to make it happen on your own. You need to let things develop. That's what Naomi and Ruth did. What if Ruth would have said, man, I took a big risk. You know, I, I, want, I want you to be the family redeemer. You don't know what could have happened there. Maybe then Boaz feels pressured. Maybe Boaz says, this, what, what's, why is she trying to do this? But no, she's, she's patient She lets things develop on their own, and as a result, you get this very interesting part of the story that we're going to look at later, whereas Boaz goes and talks to the person who's the family, who's next in line, and we see all this happens. But but ultimately, we see that this redemptive process is happening. You know... The ultimate redemptive part of the process is God's redemption of us through Jesus Christ. I mean, this is really the central message of Christianity. But part of our role as Christians is to engage not just with God, because we have a part to play in that redemptive process. I mean, the action is all about God. But we have a choice to make. Do we surrender to Him? Do we repent of our sins? Do we confess our faith in Jesus Christ, baptized into His family? And then every day we're supposed to what? Engage in the redemptive process, not only of ourself, but in the actions and reactions that we have with other people and other things. And I believe that if you and I would think about what we saw here in Ruth and Naomi. And I know that that was not the the salvation redemptive process, but I think there's some parallel here. If we would be willing to listen to instructions that's given to us in the Word from the people who God has placed in our life, and we would follow through with those instructions, how much more in our life would be better. 
the relationships, the finances, the emotions. Imagine if all those things were being redeemed daily, weekly, yearly in our life. Maybe you're struggling to take initiative. Maybe you jump the gun too often. Maybe you're too scared to make a decision when it's time. But you got to take some initiative. You can't just hope that everything happens. Don't, don't, don't get impatience confused with inactivity, all right? See, some people think they're being patient, but they won't ever act. They're never willing. What is though they're not willing to pull the trigger? You got to be willing to do what it takes when the time is right. When it's time to ask for forgiveness, when it's time to get baptized, when it's time to go to the other person, when it's time to let go of something, when it's time to do it, you got to be willing to take the initiative and do what you're supposed to do. And you got to fight against impatience because it never happens. Nothing ever happens just exactly the way you want it to. This is a fact. I wish I could tell you something different. But in my life, the times when it happens just exactly the way that I had hoped or planned or thought, I think is really more coincidence. Because I don't see the big picture. You don't see all of the moving parts. You don't know what God is doing through and with everyone that's involved in a circumstance. And so it's very easy to get impatient, but you can't do it. You got to fight against it. And you got to sit back and you have to let things develop in the way that God wants them to develop. Now, that doesn't mean in any shape, form, or fashion that you do nothing. See, that's what the enemy will tell you. Just don't do anything. Wrong answer. You got to be willing to do what it takes when the time comes. You know, as Oliver and Laura come to sing this song, I think it's a, isn't it a Josh Baldwin song? I like this song. It's, it's Let the Redeemed. And, and here's what I want our invitation to be today. You know, is if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, the Bible says you have been redeemed. All right, you've been redeemed from your sin. This is what you committed to whenever you um, were baptized into your Christianity. But as you sing this song, on some level, as a believer, it's true. I want you to think about... Am I making this a reality in all the areas of my life? You know, God, He's 100% of the time fulfilling His role in the redemptive process. You and I are the ones that are sometimes in and we're sometimes out. I want us to commit today, all of us together, to be able to not only receive the redemption offered through Jesus, but then to offer that to others and to make that a part of our daily life and in our interactions. Let's pray together. Father, I pray that you would help each of us to put into practice the things that you have shown us from your word. Help us, Lord, to listen and follow instructions given to us. Give us the strength to take the initiative and do the right things at the right time. And help us, Lord, to fight against the impatience that comes from trying to be in control. But let's let you be in control. Help us, we ask, in the name of Jesus. Amen.